0: This is Adventure Nannies On Air. I'm Shenandoah,
1: And I'm Brandy. Our company is Adventure Nannies, and we talk about nannying,
0: traveling, professional development, and also whatever we want. We'll try to keep our potty mouths to a minimum, but this podcast is not suitable for kids. You
1: can find out more about us at AdventureNannies.com. Welcome to Adventure Nannies on Air. I am your
0: co host, Shenandoah. And I'm your other host, Brandy. How's it going this week, Brandy? Pretty good. Gearing up to go on tour. Uh, we leave in five days and we're gone for almost two months. Oh my gosh. Yeah. C- it's great. I'm going to miss you guys, as always. I'm going to miss you too. Come Come
1: see us somewhere. The band's called the Lumineers if you haven't heard of them, they're on tour. Brandy will be at every show.
0: Yeah, come see me. Go Say see hi. Brandy. Yeah.
1: Doing live episode of the podcast just
0: with you and Brandy. Totally. And like between ten and a hundred thousand <laughs> other people. We won't be able to hear anything, but it'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be kind of like our first few episodes before I had a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> the good old days.
1: Back in October. Yeah.
0: The olden times. Yeah. So long ago. A covered wagon <laughs>
1: days of the Adventure Nannies podcast.
0: <laughs> Oof, we were so old timey. It was great. We got
1: a lot of really cool Feedback and inspiration from folks who listened to the last episode, which was about decoding the six-figure job. Ooh, what do we get? Oh, people were into it. I was chatting with a nanny who recently moved to another country with a family this morning who we placed almost four years ago about the realities of her six-figure job. We thought we would take the opportunity today to sort of extend some knowledge that we frequently find ourselves sharing with families at the beginning of their nanny searches with some of you candidates who may be thinking about starting a search in the near future, Something that we've noticed on both the family and the candidate side is that a lot of times at the beginning of a search, no matter which side of the equation you're on, the kind of gut instinct always is to shoot for the moon and to sort of slowly over time, if you need to, if you're having a hard time finding a candidate or finding a job to sort of lower your expectations a little bit. If you're not able to find what you're immediately looking for. But one of the issues with that in our very competitive job market that we're in right now with a super low unemployment rate is that the longer you're looking for a position, the weirder it looks to someone who's thinking about hiring you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) While it is so important to sort of know what you want and what you don't want when you start looking for a job, Brandy and I are going to spend a little bit of time today talking you through some of the bigger questions that are usually coming up as people are starting to consider what they want from their next role and just help you identify for yourself which things on your list are sort of a must-have, no questions Mm -hmm. asked, and which things are like kind of a nice-to-have but maybe aren't crucial for you to draw draw a super hard line with at the very beginning of your search.
0: Yeah, we've seen a lot of these issues kind of pop up with nays with very specific expectations for what they want their new jobs to look like. And I've been like watching them slowly lose their job opportunities. That would have been amazing just because of one of these on their written resume or their written application. Um, they're kind of must haves. So should we start at the top? with ages of kids mm. a lot of times this is when we see a lot where <laughs> nannies will only want to work with older kids or only want to work with younger kids and that can be really tough because it's a turnoff if it's older kids, it can be a real turnoff for families who are thinking about maybe having another child in the future, or they might feel like their nanny, uh, won't be able to divide the attention for the, from their preferred older child to this new baby that's might, may or may not come into their world. Yeah. And on the reverse, yeah, if they're expecting a child and you have on your application, I prefer or I will only work with kids up to five. What, what are you going to do with their six year old? So we've seen a lot of really great candidates who, probably in reality, we're open to working with other ages be turned down from even being interviewed for those jobs because of that requirement.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, I think this is true with a lot of the things we're going to go over today, but it really just comes down to how you word it. You know, it's so different to say, I love kids of every age. I feel like I really have you know, I have like a special place in my heart or I have a sweet spot for kids who are between the ages of three and five, because here's what I understand developmentally is going on at that time. And that's really important to me. And that's just like a period of time that I love engaging with kids during. That's so different to say during a job interview or in a resume or a profile than like, I only like working with kids after they turn two. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of families who are looking for a nanny are planning on having more kids or they're they're at least open to having more kids um, and interviewing a nanny who is saying, you know, somewhat less rude version of I don't like babies is, is going to be kind of a deal breaker for a lot of families before you even really get to know them or the rest of their family. And we also work with a lot of families who call us when they're newborn baby is turning one or one and a half and saying, you know, we hired this nanny because she was great with babies. And now our baby's growing up and our baby's walking around. And I can tell that our nanny sort of doesn't like engaging with the baby anymore. So now we need a new nanny. And so even if you do have preferences about the ages of children you work with, I think when you are looking for a new job and you're moving into Interviewing with families or interviewing with agencies, it is really key to do a little bit of developmental research if you need to, and at least be able to identify one or two key things that you really enjoy about every age group of kids you might be working with in this next job. Mm. Yes. And again, like if there is an age group of kids that you 1000% don't want to work with, good for you for knowing that. <laughs> <laughs> like way to know yourself <laughs> and be authentic. Just know that it is going to disqualify you from the majority of jobs that you see posted out there. Is that a fair assessment, Brandy?
0: Uh, for sure. Definitely. Yeah.
1: Don't lie. But if that's how you feel, yeah. you're going to have less options. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. And that's on you. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: just how it goes. You know what you yeah. want? You have less opportunities. But there yeah. are less opportunities that you wouldn't want anyways. So ideally, it all works yourself out. some time. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Do it for you. Another huge distinction that we see a lot of candidates making at the very beginning of their job search and then sort of backpedal on pretty quickly if they're not finding the job that they really want is the distinction between live-in and live-out roles. Live-in roles, I would say, are becoming a lot less common. I think that a lot of families and a lot of candidates sort of appreciate and respect the professional boundaries that come from someone not living in your home with you Mm 24-7. But we sometimes will talk to candidates who really want the family to provide housing, but they don't want to live in the family's home. And so... You know, we see candidates who say, I don't want to pay for my own apartment, but I don't want to live in the family's home. I want the family to pay for an apartment for me. And I don't want to talk to any families who aren't willing to do that. And the truth of the matter is most families don't want to do that.
0: Most jobs don't do that. And mo- <laughs> I can think of very few jobs that exist that that should be a regular, a normal expectation for you to have. Yeah, people. If you have a job like that, congratulations. Yeah. Don't expect to find a new one <laughs> like that, though. People who work at a hotel <laughs> don't get to live in the hotel.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not people how People who work works. at
0: Starbucks don't get their apartments paid for, but they do because they get paid at their job. They don't even get that, that money, much free coffee. They pay rent.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's important to keep in mind when you're looking at benefits like housing that if a family is planning on not having you live at their house, which most candidates tell us over and over again they really prefer, often the hourly rage, the <laughs> the hourly rage, that should be the name of our <laughs> next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The hourly rage. Most families who are looking for a live-out candidate are offering a higher hourly wage because they know that the cost of living in their area is expensive and that they need to pay their nanny a little bit more per hour to sort of reflect the higher cost of living
0: where they live and just to piggyback off this housing one i know uh, an issue i've seen pop up a couple times was families thinking the family or families i'm sorry nannies thinking that the family the families they're interviewing with should provide them a vehicle and that's another perk that some families do provide um but i do remember a couple a couple cases of nannies requesting that the family buy them a vehicle and that is If this person had a family that did that in the past again, congratulations, but that is definitely not normal.
1: (laughs) No, I mean, it is, you know, I think it's becoming more normal for families to have a nanny vehicle or a vehicle that's set aside for the nanny use during working hours, which... You know, is I wouldn't call it a benefit to the nanny, but it makes the nanny's job much easier if they don't have to be moving multiple car seats around from one car to another and needing to like go through reinstallations and, you know, making sure that their car is immaculately clean before every single shift that they work. But it does often come up when a nanny is relocating for a position. Especially sort of in the middle of nowhere outside of a big city, to say, Oh, well, there's a nanny car available. And so is it cool if I like use that car after work to go to the gym or go visit my sister in Chicago or like go to this concert I want to go to or like take this road trip on the weekend off? And usually it's not cool. Just being real. Yeah. yeah. I don't usually lend my car to people, your coworkers, my coworkers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, My employees, employees even. Yeah. yeah. No. And honestly, I mean, I would feel really bad if I lent my car to one of our Adventure Nanny's employees because if they crashed it, then I would have to be like, sorry, I guess you owe me like $20,000 now. Yeah. They wouldn't owe me $20,000 because my car is kind of a POS, but they
0: would owe me like $3,000. <laughs> Your car is cool, though. I would feel really bad if I scratched it. It's a rare vehicle. Yeah.
1: It is rare. For it's rare. I, I have borrowed
0: your car, and it was scary. So, <laughs> yeah,
1: I get it. Are you talking about the convertible
0: or the thirteen-year-old?
1: <laughs> the Prius? convertible. Well, the convert. I'm talking about the no one can borrow yeah. the convertible.
0: That's a yeah. separate podcast. Oh yeah, episode. I borrowed your uh, Prius. Yeah. Last time I was in Tacoma. Anyway, we digress. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Um, families generally won't let you use the nanny car, and will definitely not buy you a car for your own personal use. Yeah. And again, if they had, good for you. Yeah. It's not normal. <laughs> no. Speaking of vehicles that are usually used for travel, and travel is something that comes up on people's profiles a lot. So with the amount of travel, that's definitely something you want to think about before you start a job. And that could go both ways. So you should know how long you're willing to travel for and what you would need in place to help you travel for longer. Mm-hmm. Um, candidates, Yeah we have a lot of these jobs come up and they look really sexy and sound good because they include travel. And then, um, it's just too much for someone they didn't realize the logistics involved and they didn't realize how much they would miss their loved ones. And so it it becomes a reason for them to, you know, get fired or quit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so coming into a new job, definitely be honest about your ability to travel. Um, whether that be a visa issue or just general comfort ease you have with traveling. It's really a very important factor and one that will, again, exclude you from travel jobs if you don't want to travel.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, again, it's really key how candidates word this. There's a huge difference between saying I don't want to be gone for more than a week at a time to saying I'm comfortable with being gone for up to a week at a time and would be comfortable being gone for longer than that depending on the circumstances with advance notice um yes. again if you're like 100% not going to take a job where you have to be gone for more than a week of time and it's a deal breaker for you that's fine you'll have less opportunities um but if it's not a deal breaker i think just being aware of the way that you're wording it and being you know as flexible as you can be while still being authentic is pretty key Because a lot of times we read things and we talk to candidates who we get the impression of being fairly flexible. Before a family has had the opportunity to get to talk to you, sometimes the things that are written down in a candidate profile or in an email can come across as pretty rigid and immovable, which can give families a lot of concern. And speaking of travel, we see... Pets kind of play into this a lot, which is another important consideration to make if there's relocation involved in a position. If a family is offering to pay to relocate you to their job, that's great. It's a great thing for you to not have to pay for. If you are moving with a partner, or with pets, or with children, or other family members, you're going to be responsible for drawing a pretty clear line. And between which moving expenses are your moving expenses for the job and which moving expenses belong to your family or your pets. Yes. It's totally normal and acceptable if you're relocating to be bringing pets and loved ones with you, but it's not necessarily the family's responsibility to pay for those things. Yeah. Or to provide accommodation If they're providing accommodations to you for dogs and cats and pot-bellied pigs and boyfriends and significant others and kids and extended family members, that becomes kind of a lot more than most families are willing to or
0: expected to take on. A hundred percent. Like, again, be careful with how you word that when you're speaking with a family, because I have seen people lose their jobs when they specifically bring up or they ask the family directly during an interview. So are you going to relocate my dog or can I bring my dog on this trip with us or any of those things? I would hold off on asking any of those questions until you really, well, I would just not ask those questions. You would, you should pay for it yourself. But um, especially during an interview, we've seen a few people lose their opportunities Mm -hmm. that way.
1: Well, I think it comes up a lot when families are traveling too for a nanny to say, well, every time I travel with this family, I'm going to need to board my dog. And the dog boarding place costs $75 a day. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to travel with a family, I'll need $75 extra a day to go and board my dog. And I think that sort of drawing the line (laughs) there is an important professional boundary to have. I think it's important to remember that especially if you're working for a family where travel is going to be part of the job, that your job is traveling with the family. And whatever you have going on at home that makes it more expensive for you to not be there or to be traveling is your shit to deal with. That's your business. It actually has no bearing or relationship to your job other than affecting your decision to be interested in the job or not. So if a family asks you to travel with them, they will be paying you <laughs> to do your job while you're traveling. But it's not a typical expectation to expect the family to then be paying to board your pets while you're traveling.
0: Or paying for your babysitter while you're gone or any yeah. of those well, things. I mean,
1: the same way if you're traveling with a family and you decided to rent your apartment out on Airbnb since you weren't going to be there the family wouldn't be expecting to split some of your Airbnb rental income with you because it has nothing to do with them. Yeah. And so they also shouldn't be expected to pay for your pet boarding or fees. Again, if someone offers to, oh my God, that's so nice. Yeah. Lucky you.
0: It's not normal. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Along that same attitude, sometimes nannies will walk into a job and say, Hey, listen, your family seems really great. I just want you to know I don't do dishes. I don't do laundry. I don't vacuum. I will never wipe off of a counter or any of the, any of those things. And we totally encourage families not to add too many housekeeping jobs to a nanny job description because obviously they're, priority should be caring for children and um, you know housekeepers generally overall make less money than a nanny would so it just doesn't make any Mm -hmm. sense to want a housekeeper slash nanny you should just have those separate but you know our nanny totally cleans up after Lenny sometimes and will throw a load of laundry in once in a while and keeps the kitchen tidy after meals and stuff like that she's amazing but yeah if you are a nanny that maybe has experienced a family that did put a lot of extra housekeeping tasks on you. I can understand why you would want to set this expectation, but there are a lot of much better ways of doing it Mm -hmm. than just saying, I won't do this. (laughs) Yeah. Otherwise, you seem very inflexible. Do you remember that
1: scene from Mrs. Doubtfire where they're interviewing nannies and there's this one like really mean nanny who comes in? And she's like, I don't do dishes. I don't, do, dishes. I so don't do this. I don't do this. I don't do this. I don't do this. And, oh. and the mom is really like,
0: Ew, I'm terrified of you. Yeah. And then beautiful Mrs. Doubtfire comes on. Robin Williams the and just is the best. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to find the clip and illegally pirate it onto this episode of the podcast. Perfect. Don't be that nanny. No. There are really good ways to have and set and uphold boundaries, but you can
0: do it. That's not it. But
1: that's not it. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I know. I always had this. I never understood that because as a nanny, maybe call me a pushover but I really enjoyed it if I was working for a family and I had the afternoon with nothing to do because the kids were sleeping I would 100% organize the garage with the mom or like find anything around the house to keep myself busy because I was just grateful to have a job I was like living out of my car for a while I was like someone's paying me I should definitely be doing something right now so I always I get very turned off by nannies that do that just to be honest with you guys It's definitely a pet peeve of mine. I understand not wanting to be a housekeeper and a nanny, but be flexible. You're getting paid. Yeah,
1: I mean, (laughs) I think, you know, and honestly, for a lot of these things, that the reason that candidates become less flexible is because they've been taken advantage of in previous roles. Yeah. You know, and I've definitely worked the one-off babysitting job or the nanny job where it's like, all right, you're going to be here for three hours, and here are three kids, and, like, also, can you make dinner and do all of the breakfast and lunch dishes and run to the <laughs> store like, and completely finish these two loads of laundry? And you're like, well, I only have three yeah. hours. So, like, right. it will take more than three hours just to do two loads of laundry. But also, like, who's going to watch your kids while I do all of this <laughs> made stuff? Right. And so yeah. I think that, you know, particularly because usually the families who have a lot of those needs also don't have a housekeeper or a house cleaner even. And they also tend to be families who are more particular about overtime and making sure that their nanny leaves by a certain time. And so I think a lot of times nannies get burdened with so many additional tasks that it's literally impossible for them to do all of these sort of housekeeping tasks and take care of the kids all day. And so they run into this kind of crappy situation where they're supposed to be done at six and it's five forty-five. And then one of the parents comes right. home, but half of the housekeeping tasks aren't done. And they're like, well, I guess I could like stay for 20 more minutes, but I shouldn't like get paid for that time because I was supposed to do all of these things while I was working, but it's just impossible for me to do them. And so like, I feel like I'm failing at my job. And if I like leave without doing all of these tasks, then I'm going to feel crappy. But if I do all the tasks, then I'm like, by the way, I got 20 minutes of overtime on Tuesday because you asked me to do laundry, but then the cat threw up and I had to clean that up instead, you know, then the, it's going to upset the parents. And so it's just like a bad practice in general that creates a lot of issues for a lot of nanny family relationships.
0: Yeah, for sure. But
1: again, like so important to set that boundary and to explain to people like, what you're willing to do and what situation you're trying to avoid rather than just writing off all tasks completely and saying like, I won't do anything. I won't do this. I won't do this. I won't do this.
0: Yeah. Don't do it. Don't. Yeah.
1: Don't do that. Don't be so that person. If you don't do one thing, <laughs> yeah. don't make that list. <laughs>
0: that should be your one yeah, thing. No.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, Brandy, do you want to talk about pay range? I feel like this is like the biggest.
0: Yeah. The biggest tricky one. Probably especially after an episode like the last one where they're like, well, if I was listening, I would be very excited about having a six-figure job right now. Yeah, so pay range... Don't get stuck on a number, whether it's salary or hourly. It's really important to keep in mind what your job entails and what your cost of living will be, because if you're relocating, which most of our candidates are, to San Francisco, your $100,000 job is going to give you the same quality of life as a $50,000 job somewhere else. And also keep in mind that in many states, agencies or families are not allowed to ask what you've been paid in past positions. hmm yeah, that's a that's relatively new.
1: They just passed it in New York.
0: That's awesome. I think
1: it's cool. Yeah.
0: So sky's the limit, everyone. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you also got to keep in mind that uh, you're you are allowed to share it if you want, but um, just if you decide to share it, families will usually select a compensation package based on their family's abilities, not on your nanny qualifications. So. If your compensation range is one hundred fifty thousand, because it's what you were making in your last role, um, and you think about why it is that you're leaving, and you kind of understand what it is like, why you just have to remember that most families are not in the one percent and can afford one hundred fifty thousand job dollar job, and it's called the one percent because there are one percent of people who can do that. <laughs> Max, but but if you want a better yeah. maximum. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So if you want a better quality of life after your big job, be open minded to taking another job in another part of the country for less money.
1: Yeah, well, and I think also, you know, a lot of a lot of candidates come into their search and, you know, this is kind of bouncing off of what we were talking about last week, but a lot of candidates will come from their six figure job and want kind of like a chiller, calmer job, but they want to make the same amount of money that they've been making. Mm-hmm. Because in their mind, they're like, "Well, like I'm, you know, I got experience during that job. I'm moving up in my career, and so I was making 120k at this position that I've been in for four years. And so now at my next job, I want to make 150k. But you have to keep in mind, like, what did you start your last job at? How many hours a week are you working? Are you hoping to have a job where you don't work 80 hours a week? Guess what? You're going to get paid a lot less. Jobs that have a 40-hour <laughs> hour a week schedule." end up being less money than a job that has an 80 hour a week schedule. And so I think that, you know, when we interview candidates who say I'm making $200,000 a year and I don't even want to hear about any jobs that are paying less than $200,000 a year, even like the wealthiest families in the country are not posting jobs for nannies that say this job pays $200,000 a year because that's, I mean... Let's be real. Yeah. That's a lot of money for, for a nanny job. Yeah,
0: that's a lot of money just for, for any job. To qualify as being in the one percent, you have to make three hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. That, like, that is the the definition of one percent. So if your family's making two hundred thousand. Yeah, you cannot even afford a nanny at that. Jeez, Those are very rare. I thought the one percent
1: was richer than that. I'm going to be real honest.
0: I know. It seems like it should be. Right. I Googled it. Oh, huh. yeah. I'll Google it again right now just to make sure the last of time I checked, which was last year. <laughs> yeah. You're like, it's easy. I just want to be part of the one percent. All right.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think that Most of the families who we talk to at Adventure Nannies have kind of a salary range in mind or an annual pay range in mind that they are looking for. But a lot of those families are willing to pay a little bit more for the right candidate. But that doesn't mean that they want to advertise the job as paying more because from a family perspective, posting a job with a higher pay range really limits the amount of negotiating power that they have.
0: A hundred percent
1: if a family posts a job at like this job could be 25 to 35 dollars an hour no one's going to apply for the job and say well i'm really cool with I'll take 25 yeah like <laughs> yeah. yeah everyone who yeah. applies for the job is going to want to be at the top of the range and so if you you know come into a family interview or start working with an agency and say like this is my bottom line and it's more than six figures like No family is ever starting a job search saying, we're looking for a nanny who wants to make $150,000 a year. You know, they're looking for a nanny with a specific set of qualifications or experience or education. And, you know, the sort of accompanying price tag of what that person is hoping to get compensated with is what it is. And that number varies a lot between candidates. Yeah, And so, you know, there's a huge, I think there's a huge gap between knowing your worth and understanding like your personal financial situation and what your goals are long term and what you need to get paid in a job to meet those versus starting a search saying I don't even want to talk to a family unless they're going to pay me $175,000 a year. Yeah. Because fa- families don't families don't like that. No. <gasps> it's a secret.
0: <laughs> they're not into
1: it. Oh man. Yeah,
0: they're just not. Well, you know, sorry. So at the end of the day, it's your job search and it's up to you to decide what kind of role you're seeking with your next family. But just know Mm -hmm. that all of these things will affect your ability to get a job. You need to understand your own timeline and it's beneficial to prioritize all of these things. But yeah, just keep in mind that the more parameters you put on your job search, the less likely you are to get one yeah wah, wah. <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry
1: well and i think you know i think that it's just important you know we talk to candidates who are super qualified and really experienced all of the time and it does sometimes get to the point where a candidate is we the first time we talk to them they're like biding their time and they're waiting for their perfect job to come along and then three months go by and then six months go by and six months later they're like Do you know anyone who wants a babysitter? Like I just, I need money right now to pay my rent. And so I think it's important when you are starting a job search to like really hunker down, get specific about what your ideal role is. What are your must haves? What are your nice to haves? Like financially and from a planning standpoint, what is your timeline to finding that role? And then I think to just if you are working with an agency, to have a really open and honest conversation with that agency to say, like, hey, listen, this is what I'm looking for. You know, a live out role in this city where I make at least X amount of money and don't have, you know, like this one responsibility that I just can't stand. Like, realistically, how long do you think the search will take? Because the more, you know, the more particular you are, the longer it will take. Yeah. And you're allowed to be as particular as you want. Yeah just be very clear and upfront with whoever you're communicating with about your job search like what your must-haves and what your nice-to-haves are and try to communicate those in a positive and flexible way so that ev- yeah. so that nobody gets the impression that you are coming off as rigid or difficult to work with or demanding
0: yeah because those 100%. are not
1: adjectives that anyone likes to describe anyone who works for them with <laughs> Whether you're a nanny or a CEO or a gas station attendant or
0: anything. A hundred percent. And just FYI, a lot of those people that we see turning their noses up at some other jobs and then six months later, they don't have jobs. We see them come back and then end up taking a position that is not even close to being as good as some of them that they turned down a couple months prior. So that's been hard to watch, but Mm -hmm. just keep it in mind. Just keep it in mind. Just keep it in mind. And if you really want one of those jobs, always keep your eye on our job board or any other agency's job board. If that unicorn one comes along, jump on it. But Mm -hmm. don't expect families to bend and become your unicorn job.
1: I hope this episode did not land on you like
0: a sack of bricks. (laughs) I know it's kind of a doubter.
1: Wah, wah I know. I feel like we've been you know, we've been kind Sorry of doing we've been doing some finger <laughs> wagging at some of these families out here yeah. lately. I think. Yeah. We're overdue for a little reality check moment. Yeah. Um, let's talk about something fun next week.
0: Okay. I'm in. Sick. You got me thinking about rage rooms again after that rage, rage <laughs> hourly rage. I was like, ooh, I could, I'm due up for another rage room. I'll, I'll be in New York in February.
1: <laughs> I'll be in New York in February. should we rage room again? Should I know. We film a podcast I think we're not there at the same time. I'll come. I don't care.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's your birthday. We're there oh, on crap. your birthday. Shenandoah is a Valentine's Day baby. Everybody.
1: is Barclay Center. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Clinton Hill, NYC.
1: <laughs> There's a Shake Shack across the street. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be sweet. I'm totally not going to come. I'll be on an well, island. Well, I figured you were but good. <laughs>
0: Sorry. As you should be.
1: Alright, well have a wonderful week. As always, feel free to send us love letters or emails about what we got wrong this week at podcast at
0: com. If we've insulted you. <laughs> I'm sorry, slash you're welcome.
1: <laughs> we'll talk again next week. It's fine. We'll do this again.
0: Alright. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. For more, visit us at AdventureNannies.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. To send us love letters, questions, or ideas for future episodes,
1: email us at podcast at AdventureNannies.com. Bye! Bye.